Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Tonight, what we will be doing is part two of the value of godly relationships. Last Sunday, those of you that were part of the GoTo meeting, if you recall, we launched a, a teaching on the values of the kingdom of God, and we began with the value of godly relationships. According to scripture, godly relationships in the kingdom of God are like treasures here on earth. In other words, they are of high value and importance to God and his kingdom. So much of our walk with God is dependent upon the strength and the quality of our relationships. Here are some of the benefits for you to consider uh, when it comes to godly relationships. First of all, Relationships will make way for us and take you into places where nothing else will. I'll never forget the last time I visited here, uh, Bob Henson was sharing with me a time in his life where he needed to make a decision whether to immigrate to Australia, is that right, Bob, or stay here in Zimbabwe. I will never forget what he said. It stuck with me what made him decide to stay? He said, here are all my relationships. Here are all my connections. This is the place where I'm going to stay. Why do I say that? Because relationships will make way for you. It's not what you know. It's who you know. And I believe relationships will take you into places that nothing else will. For example, our relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ brings us into the very presence of God. We don't come into the presence of God because of our own merits or because of our own righteousness. We come boldly into the throne of grace. Why? Because we have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Our relationship gives us access into the very presence of our Heavenly Father. And that's, that's not something to be taken for granted. It is something that we need to value and appreciate. Through my relationships, my own testimony and my own experience, over the many years that I've been in ministry, I was given access and entrance into countries, into communities. And through that access that I was given through my godly relationships, I was able to establish ministries. And through them, extend and establish the influence of God's kingdom. It's my relationships that took me to the United States that keep taking me back. Why? Because I have strong, godly relationships that go back many, many years. Also, Greece, Cyprus, Canada, Zimbabwe, were wide open. Why? For me to minister into those countries because of the godly relationships that I have built up and established with individuals 
over the years in these countries. I don't know if you know me for any length of time, you will know that I'm a very relational person. I place great value and importance on relationships. Why? Because God values relationships. That's why he calls us sons and daughters, not slaves, not servants, but sons and daughters of the living God. So it is through these spiritual relationships that our lives are enriched. They are blessed with opportunities. They're blessed with favor, with spiritual impartation, with godly counsel, correction, and also a lot of encouragement and comfort. Where do you get your encouragement from? From people you know and you have a relationship with. You won't talk to a person you don't know or you don't have a, a close relationship to, but you are free and open with the people that you enjoy a good relationship. I, al I, I always I picture relationships or liken them like elevators. The godly ones will always propel you upwards and forwards as you hang around them, as you fellowship with them, uh, and they are the right relationships. They will encourage you. They will strengthen you. They will propel you to always go further, uh, to, um, to experience your full potential. But the wrong relationships or unauthorized relationships, and this is where young folks need to be very, very careful. Once you hook up with the wrong person, that person can take you down a path that will lead you to perdition and destruction if they're not the right people. And they will take you out of God's will and out of God's purposes. The Bible says that bad, influ uh, um, bad influence corrupt good manners. You need to choose your friends and you need to choose your relationships. Even within the church, you need to be discerned discerning. Also, here's another benefit. Relationships will determine the boundaries of our influence in Christ. In other words, we cannot exert influence on anyone that we do not have a good relationship with. Relationships will also mark the boundaries of our prayer life. Your prayer life will never go beyond your godly relationships. What do I mean? You always pray for people you have a relationship with. And so the, the type of relationships and the many relationships you have within the body will always mark the boundaries of your prayer life. They will, um, this is the people you, 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 you pray for because you have them close to your heart. It is through our relationships that this ministry continues to function. It's not a program-based, but it is a relational-based. Um, and distance matter, that do not matter in relationships. I am more close to people who are across the ocean than I am with some people who attend church every single Sunday and I see them regularly. It has nothing to do with distance. This We're talking about spiritual connections and spiritual relationships. And it is through our relationships in this ministry that this ministry is upheld and provided for financially. All our support, not just some, 
All of it comes from our godly and precious relationships. So um, harmonious relationships will also determine whether your prayers, our prayers, will be answered or not. Many prayers go unanswered because our relationships are not in order. For example, when it comes to marriage, Peter says in 1 Peter 3, 7, In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she's your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. You see, if my relationship with my wife is not in order, my ministry will be hindered, my prayer life will be hindered. Also, Jesus said that we cannot worship God or offer any kind of gift or service beyond the level and the quality of our relationships. He said that in Matthew 5:22, listen to what he said. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the Dutch of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar, go your way, first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Do you see the importance that Jesus places on harmonious relationships? Vitally important. And we cannot ignore that. You come to God, you offer your praise, your worship, that's fine. But if in your heart you have ought against your brother, unforgiveness, bitterness, so on, or you remember that your brother has something against you, never mind uh, you having something against you, he says, leave there your gift, go and talk. One of the values that we have in Church of the Nations, the group of churches that we are part of, we never put the relationship on the table. We always put the issues on the table. Discuss the issues, resolve the issue, but never use the relationship as a bargaining chip in order to manipulate people or to threaten them. That's very, very important. Now, I'm going to read something to you that Lee Grady wrote many years ago that I've read it and it made a huge impression on me. He writes the following on the value of relationships. And I'm, I'm quoting from him. Jesus called us, he said, into friendship, not just with him, but also with his followers. Christianity at its core is about relationships. Unlike Eastern religions in which individuals seek a solitary Zen-like state to discover truth, Christianity calls us to follow God as a loving community. While the Bible certainly contains theology, it is not a book of dry doctrines. It is a dramatic account of men and women who learned to love each other as they followed God. Jesus modeled this message by investing time in his disciples. He didn't float around on a pillow like Yoda while dispensing otherworldly wisdom. He hiked through the Israel with his friends. 
They got their feet dirty together. He fished with them, ate with them, and just hung out with them. Mark 3.14 says, Jesus appointed the twelve so that they would be with him and that he would send them out to preach. Notice that his relationship with them was not just about the task of ministry. He wanted their fellowship. He wanted them to be with him. We sometimes got this backwards. We tend to value religious performance, yet we are often bankrupt when it comes to friendships. We sit together in countless meetings, but never open our hearts to each other. Even ministers have admitted to me that they have no friends. We've created a robotic, programized Christianity that counts heads, but lacks the heart of New Testament love. I've had enough, he says, of this sterile religion. I've learned that ministry is not about getting big crowds, filling seats, tabulating response cards, or eliciting applause. It's not about running on a church growth treadmill. Religion that focuses on externals is performance-based. And then he asks these questions. How would you assess your friendship with God? Is it intimate, professional, distant, cold? And what about your relationships with others? Do you have close friends? Or do you live out your faith in solitary confinement? I tell Christians all over the world that they need three kinds of relationships in their lives. Number one, Pauls. Pauls are like spiritual fathers and mothers you trust. All of us need older, wiser Christians who can guide us, pray for us, and offer counsel. My mentors have encouraged me when I wanted to quit and propelled me forward when I had lost sight of God's promise. In the journey of faith, you do not have to feel your way in the dark. God gave Ruth to Naomi, uh, God gave Ruth and Naomi and Joshua and Moses. Ask the Lord for a mentor. Number two, Barnabases. Barnabases are spiritual peers who are bosom friends. They know everything about you, yet they love you anyway. They are also willing to kick your tail if necessary. They provide accountability in areas of personal temptation, and they will stay up all night praying for you when you face a crisis. Number three, Timothys. Timothys are younger Christians you are helping to grow. Jesus never told us to assemble crowds, but he did command us to make disciples. So relational discipleship takes a lot of time and energy, but investing your life in others is one of the most fulfilling experiences in life. Once you have poured your life into another brother or sister and watched them mature in Christ, you will never settle for superficial religion again. Jesus said at best when he told his followers, no longer do I call you slaves, but I have called you friends. For all things I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. So the Christian life is a vibrant love relationship with God, but it doesn't end there. I pray you will open your heart and invest in the people around you. End of quote. Lovely piece. 
to really ponder on and meditate when it comes to godly relationships within the body of Christ. Because relationships play such an important role in our Christian walk, we need to learn how to relate and how to nurture such relationships. I, I believe we don't have enough teaching when it comes to these things. We assume that we know, but we don't really know. That's why we have so many breakups, even in churches, divisions, relationships break up. And it shouldn't happen this way. Why? Because we are untaught or uneducated. How do you relate? How do you nurture? How do you invest in your relationships? If you value relationships, that's where you're going to invest your time, your energy, your resources to make sure that you're surrounded with godly people that genuinely care and love you and you are the same towards them. We need to build on, on solid foundations upon which they can last and be a blessing. Rarely you find relationships that would last a lifetime. And our relationship should be that way. This is an area I believe that we desperately need to attend to and improve because it's lacking. Allow me to explain. When it comes to strengthening our relationships, I believe we have a, a fundamental problem because the basis upon which we relate is primarily selfish and very shallow. Give you a, a, an example. For example, we relate to God on the basis of reward rather than on the basis of who he really is. In other words, we always come to God when we need something. When we don't need anything, we don't even bother with him. Am I right? And that happens when you first come to Christ. But at one sometime down the road, we're going to have to grow up. That we stop relating to God and to one another on the basis of what we can get. But rather on the basis of what we can give and how we can bless those we relate to. When I shake hands with a person, I say to them sometimes, I'm here to bless you. I'm here to be an encouragement to you. I don't want anything from you. I've come to give you because I have something of worth and something of value from God to bless your life with. And it's a wonderful way to relate to people. So when... And for example, when you come to God on those basis of reward, then when he does not do what you want him to do or perform the way you want him to perform, we, we get offended so many times and we withdraw from church, from one another. Isn't that isn't it the way we do it so often? Oh, Lord, you didn't answer my prayer. So, you know, many hearts in the church today have withdrawn from intimacy with the Lord and have gone astray because of some offense they picked up along the line. Lord, you didn't do what I prayed. You didn't do what I wanted you to do. God has his ways. He is Lord. We are the servants. And we can't change our roles. We don't tell God what to do. We ask according to his word. So this is the way we usually relate to others as well. Our primary motive in relating is not because we love and respect these individuals, 
<clears throat> and have a desire to bless them, but because we need something from them. And all of us do that. You know, we call someone because we need something. But it wouldn't be wonderful just to call him and say, hello, how are you doing? How's your family today? Is there anything I can pray for you? Anything I can do for you? Wouldn't that be better than call the person just when you need him? It's wonderful. Yeah, call them when you need them. But it would be, it would be good if we grow up and mature in that area. Uh, we relate so that we can sometimes further our cause or our dream rather than helping them to fulfill their dreams. And this is an area where pastors make a huge, huge mistake. They have a vision and they expect the people to fulfill their vision. But what the way, the way God intends or the kingdom of God is, every single person in the church has a dream and a vision. We pastors and leaders ought to help them fulfill their vision. And in helping them fulfill their purpose in life, they will return that by helping us fulfill our purpose. You see, leadership is there to serve people, not people to serve the leadership. And it's important that every pastor should recognize each and every individual, each and every gift within his sphere of influence, understand that person, their purpose and the destiny of that person, and pray and help them to discover their purpose and come beneath them and lift them up in order to fulfill their dreams. That is God's leadership. And so often we pastors, I must admit, we have it the other way around, and it's wrong. It shouldn't be that way. But when you get pastors and leaders who are insecure, that's what happens. Hidden agendas sometimes, selfish motives, are usually the reasons behind our efforts to relate. And this is a selfish way of relating to anyone. And sooner or later, if your relationships are based on those principles, Sooner or later, that um, you're going to bankrupt that relationship. You can't just take and take and take. You're going to bankrupt it. You've got to invest in your relationships. It's give and take. It's not just take. And so, um, for example, Jesus is our perfect example. And this is the, the, the person that we should look up to, not to any man. Man will always disappoint you. People in church, a church is full of imperfect people, folks. And if you find a perfect church and you join it, it's gone. It's becoming imperfect. <laughs> That's true. And Jesus' way of relating to his father was very different from ours. He had no hidden agendas. He had no selfish motives when it came to his relationship with his, with his father. He loved his father's presence. And his entire life and ministry was focused on serving and giving his father pleasure because of who his father is. In fact, he said that he never does anything that will distract from his relationship with his father. Beautiful father-son relationship. An example how fathers and sons should relate. And in the book of Malachi, there is a beautiful verse of scripture that says, In the last days I will send Elijah the prophet, 
And that prophetic ministry will do this one thing. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. I have studied in my years of experience in ministry, children who were raised in a broken home tend to grow up with a heart that, that is an orphan heart that carries wounds, emotional scars, and they have issues. Not that they cannot be healed. I had a lot of issues when I came to Christ because most of the time my father wasn't there. He was overseas. And I, the first time he went overseas, I was about eight, and he went overseas for four years. Never saw my dad. He stayed for six months. He left again for another three years. So those, those very primitive, important years of my life, my dad wasn't there. And I grew up with issues, real emotional issues. I thank God the Lord Jesus healed me. And I was able to relate to my children and relate to uh, others and have meaningful and rich relationships. Jesus did not relate to God on the basis of reward, but on the basis of love and godly reverence. If our relationships in all sphere of life are to be long-lasting, God-honoring, richly rewarding, we need to establish the right foundations and the basis upon which we relate. I pray that you will learn something so valuable today that you will practice in your everyday Christian walk. Let me ask a couple of questions. How do you relate to the church or ministry you are part of? Do you relate on the basis only of what the church can do for you? Or what can you do for the group of people or for your spiritual family that you're part of? Is your relationship based on giving and serving the house with what God has blessed you with? Or is it based on what you can receive from them? Each one of us has a unique gift, a unique flavor. And I tell that to our people. When you enter the spiritual family, you bring your fragrance, your aroma, your gifting, your intelligence, your expertise, your wisdom. And when you make that available to the body, the body is much richer than it was before you came and joined. Because we are unique, each one of us, and we care, we have value. We are of great value in the eyes of God. Another question, do you value and respect the people you relate to, or do you see them as stepping stones to your success or as people who can meet your needs. This is the reason I believe we see so many relationships on all levels. They break up and they fall apart. When individuals in relationships don't receive what they feel they are entitled to, they feel justified in walking away from them. Have you ever stopped to think why we have so many broken marriages even in the church today? The divorce rate in the church is as high as the divorce rate in the world. Why? Because we relate with the wrong expectations. We see it in churches as well as individuals where we individuals go from place to place looking to receive rather than committing to serve 
and to give of themselves. How are we doing so far? Okay. I believe it's my personal conviction that relationships are fertile ground in which to invest into. You want to invest into something, invest in people. Because in the eyes of God, people are of great value. New Testament teaching, especially the epistles, emphasize how valuable and important right relationships are in the eyes of God. That's why the epistles, if you study them, they're full of instructions on how to preserve, how to maintain, how to enrich godly relationships. We find statements such as love one another, pray for one another, admonish one another, encourage one another, forgive one another. There are 58 references referring to one another, one another, one another. Why would the, the Lord put in his word 58 times repeating something? Because it's of high importance and value in the eyes of God. Amen? Here is an instruction in Ephesians 4.31. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And today, uh, much of our time, energy, and resources, I believe, ought to be devoted to maintaining, cultivating, nurturing relationships the Father has blessed us with. If we truly value relationships, then our hearts, I believe, will wrap themselves around them and pursue those things which will enhance and stimulate godly relationships. Remember what we said last Sunday? Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What does that mean? That means what you treasure in life, your heart automatically will wrap itself around it because what you treasure is what you value. And so we need to put value where value is due. Amen? So every time we choose to invest, I believe, in our relationships, we store up, Jesus said, treasures in heaven. And through them, our lives will be enriched, blessed, and fruitful in the kingdom. Now, we come to the conclusion, just to show you how important relationships are. When the church the church, I believe, will function the way the Lord intended it to function if we truly value relationships. Anything that is not built on relationships in the eyes of God is illegitimate. It is not accepted. Today, in many churches, we have substituted relationships for programs. We emphasize and promote programs. We spend enormous amount of time and resources on advertising methods for growth rather than building on relationships. Jesus, or the word says in Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who built it. When the church in Corinth experienced many problems, you, if you read the epistle to the Corinthians, you will see that that church 
even though they were filled with the Spirit, they had many gifts, they had many issues. There was division, there was uh, um, people taking one another to court, many, many, many problems there. And what did Paul do? Paul didn't send them a method or a program. What did he do? He sent them a relationship. He sent them a son in the Lord. And listen to what he writes to them. For though you might have 10,000 instructors, he said, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. For this reason, I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord, who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. What did he send them? He sent them a son in the Lord. He sent them a relationship. And he said, look at Timothy. Listen to his teaching. And when you do that, you will come in right order. Again, when the church in Crete needed to establish divine order in the things that were lacking, what did Paul do? He sent them another son. He sent them a relationship. And he sent them a guy by the name of Titus. And he said, listen to what he says to them. To Titus, a true son in our common faith. Notice how Paul valued father-son relationships. The members of his ministry team were spiritual sons that were educated, discipled, and brought up by Paul himself. He trusted them, and they trusted him, and they walked together. And when there were problems in the church, he sent them a son, a relationship. And he says to him, for this reason, he said, Titus, I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. And finally, when God the Father wanted to save the world and redeem us, as well as all of his creation, what did he do? Did he send an army? No. Did he send a book? No. He sent us his son. A relationship. Amen? The word says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And when you and I go through rough and difficult and testing times, I have seen this over the years again and again. God gives us a friend or a father figure to walk with. And I've seen that in my most crucial and challenging times, there was always a person that would walk with me, that would encourage me, that would pick me up, that would pray with me, and would bless me and pray for me. Scripture says, a friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in a time of need. Isn't that a beautiful verse of Scripture? When you have a need, God gives you a brother to walk with. So, and when I look at the church today as a whole, I see, what do I see? Thousands of people in churches that are disconnected, lonely, frustrated, 
because they have not experienced genuine love and care, which comes from godly relationships. I believe that the life and the strength of the church, of any church, is the quality of her relationships. Where there are healthy and mature relationships, the church will grow in strength as well as in numbers. And that's what we need to focus on. And finally, the last verse of Scripture, Ephesians 4:16, For whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So the word says that the whole body of Christ is joined and knit together. How? By godly joints, godly relationships. Every joint disperses its own flavor and supply, which helps the growth and the development of the whole body. If those joints break up, or become disturbed by offense, unforgiveness, bitterness, division, the entire welfare of the church is at risk. If you were the devil and you wanted to attack and destroy the church, what would you attack first? Think. You would attack relationships. That's where we have most of our problems. He uses our human weakness and failures to cause division and rapture the body, break the relationship. And he doesn't give up. He will again and again. And that's why you should be on your guard and wide awake. Anything, the moment you pick up anything, put it right. Give the devil no room, no open door to come in and disturb the relationship. Because when the relationship dies, everything dies. And that goes for your relationship with the Lord. Father, we thank you for our time together around the world, around each other. Thank you for the beautiful day that we have experienced so far. The meal, the dedication, the fellowship. It was so rich and so wonderful, Lord. Thank you for Peter's and Emma's hospitality. An openness of heart, dear Lord, to welcome us and to minister to us and to serve us. Uh, and I bless them today and I bless this household. I bless each and every family represented here today. And I ask that your spirit would enable us and help each and every one of us to build on solid foundations and bring honor and glory to your kingdom, dear Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen thank you for listening to this message for additional resources or more information about this ministry come and visit us at alpha omega int.org.za